You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, Friday edition, Thursday evening edition, depending on when you're listening to your podcast. We're getting pumped for preseason football, game number one, 49ers and Chiefs, what Crocker and I will be looking out for this weekend in preseason, game number one in the 2021 season. At Brian Peacock is where you can find me on Twitter, former professional cornerback. I'm sure there will be some great breakdowns of Rookies like Ambry Thomas and Demo Lenore on next week's shows from Eric Crocker, our resident cornerback technique expert. I can't wait for those things. And we're going to talk more about that stuff later. You can find Eric at Eric underscore Crocker on Twitter. Croc, I think we got to start with some Shanahan preseason game number one presser that happened earlier Thursday. And uh, I also heard a KNBR interview with Shanahan in the Bay Area earlier today, too. So some takeaways there. What was your number one takeaway hearing that press conference before this preseason game? Well, the number one thing that I heard throughout the day was that Jimmy Garoppolo was going to get one series. Trey Lance was going to get, you know, the rest pretty much dang there to halftime. And I had a couple of emotions quickly go through my mind. One, wow, get to see a ton of Trey Lance. That's exciting. And then the other thing that immediately came through was like, Oh my gosh, she's playing behind that second team offensive line that I've been hearing has been atrocious. And that's scary because of what ramifications that can have on the rest of Trey Lance's game. Yeah. And uh, I don't, and I'm getting confused between whether it was the KNBR interview or the press conference, but he said he wanted to get about 30 snaps for Trey Lance Saturday. And that if he doesn't get enough snaps in the first half, he could come out and start the third quarter even, too. So there's definitely a number of snaps. They want to get a lot of work for Trey Lance. So, they're, I mean, is, is he going to be working behind the third-team offensive line at that point? You know, if that's the case. But my question also, to your point there, is is what we're seeing in practice and all the reports from practice with the, the second-team D-line beating the second-team offensive line, is that because of the offensive line? Or is that because those interior guys are really good? Is that because Maurice Hurst is just a really good veteran player that can, I mean, I like Maurice Hurst. I can't believe he was available for the 49ers to come in uh, off the off the scrap heap pretty much and Contavious Street and uh, uh, Kerr and uh, DJ Jones. Like the, the 49ers have a really deep, especially interior defensive line. I think that's part of it. I, I don't and that's what's going to be fun to find out right now is, is it that interior defensive line with the second unit or is it that offensive line with the second unit? Not to discredit the defensive line, <clears throat> excuse me, because I do think that they have some talented guys there in that second group, maybe one of the deeper defensive lines in the NFL. But we do know that there's a shortage of good offensive linemen around the NFL. So I think do think that the second group can just be bad. And maybe they're not just bad. Maybe they're just young, right? I mean, you do have McKivitz on that line. You do have Moore on that line. You do have uh, Banks, you know, who's a rookie on that offensive line. So some of it could be youth. But, it, it, again, it could it could create these other issues for Trey Lance. And, and that's what I'm more worried about. To be honest, I think the 49ers have put too many resources into the offensive line to have a unit that's not very good with the second unit. Specifically, since there's a guy, Aaron Banks, who's a top 50 draft pick, there's two fifth-round draft picks, Jalen Moore and uh, Colton McKivitz there. Tom Compton, who's a veteran in the league, who started games in the NFL. I believe the the second-team center is Jake Brendel. 
right? Who's a player I haven't, I don't remember a lot. I think he was on the team last year on the trip. I didn't know squad, who but... he was until today when people told me that's who the backup center was. I was yeah. like, wow, I've never heard of this guy. Because <laughs> I don't think he'll play backup center. I think it'd be Brunskill anyway. Right, right. Yeah. If something happens to Mac, Brunskill kicks inside and then banks. If he's ready to go or not, it'll be in there or it'll be McKivitz or it'll be Tom Compton or something like that. But Compton, I'm surprised he's actually going to be, I mean, if, uh, and we'll see because here's the other thing is, the official depth chart that the PR team puts out isn't the actual depth chart that the coaches have. So we'll see how that actually works and, and how they work those guys in and who's maybe sneaking in with the first team or who's on the second team and actually the third team and who's playing tackle, who's playing guard. But one of the big things I took away from the Matt Barrows interview yesterday, and if you haven't heard that podcast, uh, Matt Barrows always a must listen. Go back and, and listen to yesterday's pod. Jalen Moore sticking at left tackle, the fifth round draft pick uh, is a big one. And look, Trent Williams has only played 16 games twice in his NFL career. He's going to miss a game or two. Like, that's that's standard for Trent Williams. Fifth-round rookie rolling in there at left tackle? Like, that's a, that's a pretty big one. That's something I'm going to be watching this preseason, whether it's Sean Coleman, whether it's Jalen Moore, whether it's Brunskill, who ends up getting some reps out I there. Say, Brunskill, I, dude, Brunskill, you got to slide out there, dude. And yeah, that's where the 49ers, in my opinion, are, are missing the boat here with their offensive line development. And look, if you need Brunskill to start at right guard, that's cool. He needs to be working in and getting reps at practice in pretty much every position. Right tackle, left tackle, left guard, center, if he's only playing right guard in preparation for the season, they're missing the boat because he's their best offensive lineman, their second best offensive lineman at almost every position on the field, all five of them. He should be the super sub sixth man if Aaron Banks ends up winning that job. So if all of a sudden Aaron Banks wins the job and is the starting right guard and Brunskill never took any reps on the rest of the offensive line all summer long, then the 49ers made a huge mistake in getting Brunskill ready to be the guy who could jump in for Trent Williams at left tackle if he's out. And and it, history tells us that Trent Williams is going to miss her game or two this year. And I don't know if you want to throw rookie fifth rounder Jalen Moore. We'll be watching him very closely. Maybe he is ready to do that. But you're going to stick a rookie fifth rounder Jalen Moore in there in week two if Trent Williams gets nicked up. So that's a, that's a dicey proposition. Yeah, and we'll have to see how it works out. But really, I'm not even really worried about week two right now. I'm worried about this preseason game and Trey Lance <laughs> and Trey getting Lance's out there development. and yeah. what he looks like behind that second group off his line. Because I'll say this, again, all the reports that have been out so far have been they are either really bad or that defensive second group defensive line is really good. And maybe there's a combination of both going on there. But with Trey Lance, you don't want to start creating bad habits. You don't want to start speeding up his time clock. And I, I compare time clock to, you know, you can have that at different positions. You can have it at the cornerback position where if somebody kind of beats you off the line right now, your time clock gets sped up, your technique goes out the window, and now you're just in kind of like chase mode, right? So now when you're in chase mode and your clock is sped up, you're willing to go for anything that the receiver gives you because you're just trying to survive the rep. And maybe you're just in an all-out sprint. He stops. You continue going upfield. Easy pitch and catch for him. If you're a receiver, when your clock is sped up, it's, you know, you're rushing mentally, right? So when you might have to get to 10 yards or 12 yards on your depth and you're breaking your route off at eight yards when the quarterback is expecting you to break it off at 10 and you see that miscommunication, that's because the wide receiver is sped up mentally. He's, he's going too fast in his head. From the quarterback's perspective, if you are working too fast mentally, now you're gonna your technique is going to be off. Your um, mechanics are going to be off. Your timing is going to be off. There's going to be errant passes. And a lot of that 
can be caused by a bad offensive line because what, what is he supposed to do? Stand in there as if he's behind the starting group? If he does that, he's going to get killed. So everything that he does is going to be sped up. He's going to be moving more than he has to. I just think it can create a lot of bad habits. And we've seen guys like Sam Darnold. Like, what's Sam Darnold's biggest issue? He had those issues his last year at USC because the offensive line was trash and he had guys leave to the NFL. And then he gets to New York Jets and they have the worst offensive line every year dang near that he's there. And it and now everybody looks at Sam Darnold and they're like, man, well, what's wrong with him? Look, like, this is off. This is off. This is not good. And it's like, well, look what he's been playing behind. Those things cause so many bad habits. And I get it. It's just one game. But those those bad habits can start right now. And that's one thing I'm I'm a little worried about. Trey Lance playing behind that offensive line. Yeah, and and it's really easy for a player to revert because he's still working on mechanics and throwing mechanics. And he's done a lot of work even just since the spring on getting more accurate and working with his base and working with his mechanics. And that's nice in practice to be able to do that. It's nice when you're throwing on air to be able to work on your mechanics, but maybe that accuracy goes out the window when you're just like, you're you're getting bared down on in a game and the protection's not good up front. You start to revert back to what you're used to. And so you don't want him to relearn those old bad habits. You want him to be able to continue to work on those things and progress there as just a pure thrower. And you don't want him bailing out, right? Because that's the other thing that you'll do if you're getting a lot of pressure is just take off and bail. And so uh, you don't want a guy who's like chucking and ducking back there either. And, and the thing is, is in practice, it's one thing, but he can get hit now for the first time. <laughs> right. Like he can actually get hit this time. Yeah. And I mean, we've seen that hero ball with a lot of quarterbacks around the league. But again, you know, we want to, get him comfortable being able to play in the pocket and things. And if it's just a timing thing, like, okay, that's one thing. But if everything's starting to get sped up because of your offensive line, like that is just going to create some bad habits, man. And that's, that's one thing I'm not looking forward to seeing. And there's so many little things. And, and that's what we'll be watching for with Trey Lance is, you know, how does he do in red zone? How does he do on third downs? How does he do when the clock's running down in, in situational stuff? And so uh, practice is one thing, but he has to, you know, spit out the play call. He only gets, Kyle Shanahan in his helmet for 15 seconds now. And then, uh, he, you know, is he going to be calling a bunch of timeouts? Can't get the ball snaps. Cadence is wrong. There's just a lot of very small, intricate de- details playing quarterback anywhere, especially in the NFL with these long Shanahan play calls. Does he, How well does he know the playbook? Uh, you know, so uh, there's so much that's going to go into this. Is he getting the, the ball snapped on time? Just just some of the some very basic things, He's some hurdles he's going to have to cross here in uh, preseason week one. I saw someone say that in the last two practices, that's not counting today, but the two previous practices, he had got sacked about 11 times. That's worrisome. But like the play, the play continues, but they count it as a sack. I don't know if it continued, but okay. that's what they counted. Because yeah. it looks to me like they don't stop the play if it's a quote unquote sack. The play just continues, but they mark it down. They're like, yeah, the, this guy would have got to him. Yeah. But I'm not positive on that. Uh, we, we need to get some clarification from our, our beat writers and our folks that are on the ground there in Santa Clara. All right, let's continue this conversation more on Shanahan's pre, preseason Game 1 press conference. We heard from D'Amador Lenore, Ambry Thomas, and some other 49ers. What are we looking forward to? What are we watching the closest here in preseason Game Number 1? And can I tell you all about Built Bar? We all know it's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. All the good stuff that comes with it, high in protein, low in sugar, high in fiber, low in calories, low net carbs. But Croc, did you see the BYU football team and Bilt Bar is based out of Utah? That was an amazing video. I retweeted it at BD Peacock. You can go check it out. They rolled up to BYU football and Bilt Bar is paying the tuition for 
36 walk-ons on the BYU football team. That was amazing, Croc. I'm sure you can appreciate something like that going down as a guy who used to play ball that could have used that kind of thing, right? Well, not just that. You know, I've trained athletes that had to be preferred walk-ons. And, you know, what's on their shoulders, just having to pay for college and, and the debt that can rack up because you're trying to make a roster and kind of what it does to that kid. Hey, do I have to get a job outside of school and, you know, focus on football that takes up my entire day and all the extracurricular things that they're going to have to do just to survive to be able to finish going to school there. And for Bilt Bar to come in, swoop in, really with their cape on, and take care of those boys, I thought that was amazing. I was ready to sign up and try to get, uh, become a preferred walk-on for BYU, check and see if I have any eligibility left. <laughs> Did you see J.R. Smith has eligibility? He's trying to go play college golf? Did. did you see that? I did see that. That's crazy, yeah. Croc. You should check into that. Maybe you do have another year of eligibility, although you did the junior college thing. and I, I think you might have squeezed every little bit out of that rag that you could, so I'm not sure if you have any left. Maybe I do. Uh, BYU, if you need a, um, a tall, no longer athletic tackling dummy on your football squad, call me up, man. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the Built Bars. So feel good about Built Bars, not only because they're what they're doing in the community, because they're good for you. They taste fantastic. Fantastic, amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. You can get a mixed box of multiple flavors, built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15. You can get 15% off your next order. That is promo code LOCKED15 at built.com. Yeah, man, so you're talking about J.R. Smith, but he definitely has more eligibility than me, seeing as though he was someone that went straight out of high school to the NBA. As it is, as I said that, I was thinking, wait a second, what college did he go to? Because the school that I think it was like North Carolina A&T or something, I can't remember uh, what school I just saw that he was going to try to play. He's got a good golf swing. It looked like it crushed the ball, by the way. Um, but yeah, North Carolina A&T is where he's enrolling. But I was trying to think, where did he go to college? He didn't go to college. No wonder. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Like, as an adult, I think I have, like, this different level of appreciation for guys that are 17, 18 years old, being that young, really a baby. And I'm, me thinking about what I was doing at 18 years old and going and signing an NBA contract. And then, really, imagine this. And I came across some of my NFL buddies that did this, but this is even, like, this times 10 when you're going from, eight, you know, 18 years old, high school to the NBA, but never having a job. In your life, like, could you imagine that? Like, never going and clocking it outside of obviously playing professional sports. But I remember having a buddy when I got to the NBA, you know, I, I mean, NFL, I had, there was a time where I was out of school and everything for three years. And I remember talking to one of my guys and I, I had worked crazy jobs. I mean, Walmart, Target, these are warehouse jobs, everything you could think of, security guard, like everything. And I remember asking him, like, hey, man, like, what jobs have you worked? He was like, job? Like, dude, I ain't never worked a job before. Like, <laughs> in the field, that was his only job ever. And I'm like, wow, like, that's amazing. Yeah, because we talk about Trey Lance is a baby for for the NFL level. To be 20 years old when you're drafted, just turned 21 years old in the springtime. He is super young. And a guy like George Kittle is only 27, and there's still an age gap there, a generation gap where George Kittle's talking to um, – talking to Trey Lance about movies. And he's like, yeah, I've never seen that movie. And he's like, oh, God. I mean, it's like, because you think of George Kittle as being a pretty young guy, but that's how crazy young he is for the NFL level. Imagine three years younger than Trey Lance jumping into the professional ranks, going from high school to the NFL as an NBA player. That That's that's pretty wild. Trey Lance born in the 2000s. I know, man. That that one really made me feel old when I learned that. I think uh, the, it, was, it was Trey Lance and it was also... Who was there, there was a few of them, but he was the first. Yeah, like, he, was he was the first one drafted because he, he got first. It was, it was 
Uh, Penny Sula was the other one. So was, whoever went yeah. first was going to be the first ever player drafted in the 2000s. That was born yeah. in the 2000s. And then Jamar Chase was following. And all those guys are like turned 21 this year. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a bunch of guys, but he was the first because he was taking third overall. But it's still, it's crazy. Born in the 2000s. And I remember the whole Y2K scare and all that that was going on <laughs> when I was in uh, middle school there. Uh, I was yeah, I was already out of high school. I was screwing around in not going to junior college classes at that point. I mean, that's that's wild. Okay, um, let's talk about uh, what else? What oh, is, how about this one? This was this was from the KMBR interview with Kyle Shanahan. The the offensive line chain reaction that could have happened twice. We've we've talked about the draft a lot in 2020 when the 49ers decided not to draft Tristan Wirfs knowing that Joe Staley was going to retire going into the evening and ended up making a trade for Trent Williams. The the chain reactions involving Trent Williams with the 49ers draft with the 49ers roster is crazy. And then this offseason, I, I couldn't I couldn't believe it. It seemed like years ago that this happened because of everything that's happened since, but the 49ers just re-signed Trent Williams this offseason, right? And Kyle Shanahan talked about if they weren't able to get that done, that changes everything. They're, they're probably drafting Rashawn Slater in the first round, drafting an offensive tackle, right? So just a, such a huge, like this quarterback thing would have never happened. And and that's what they were able to do because they, they, if they weren't able to sign uh, Trent Williams. So I just thought about all the chain reactions involving Trent Williams, both in 2020 and then into 2021 because he was still a free agent uh, after that first season with the 49ers, how different things would look right now uh, if the 49ers either weren't able to swing a trade for Trent Williams, if they decided to go a different way in the draft in 2020 and not try to make that trade for Williams or if they weren't able to re-sign him this offseason. Do you think that if they did not think they could land Trent Williams, would they have maybe drafted Worfs in the first round instead of Kinlaw? I had Worfs ahead of Kinlaw, so uh, for sure. And I would have he would have been the Shadow 49ers pick for sure, but at the time we didn't know that Joe Staley was retiring, so we were banking on that kind of because right. it hadn't happened before the draft, so we figured, well, he's got to be coming back. He would have retired already, uh, and it turned out he told them, but didn't, nobody else knew about that for sure it would have been worse because for me um and and i liked kinlaw in fact i had kinlaw the niners ended up picking him 14th i had him 14 on my board i just had a few players that were still available that were higher than him it was uh judy and lamb who were basically tied for me back to back i thought they were both top 10 players and then it was tristan worse and then uh the i think the fourth i think kinlaw was probably fourth on my board at that point or maybe fifth behind makai becton but i didn't think makai becton was going to be a fit for the 49ers but who knows maybe they would have liked him too um but yeah, I would have definitely done worse. And I think the 49ers, I'm still surprised that they didn't go that route knowing that. But they must have been pretty confident that they were going to be able to to land Trent Williams. So I think they knew more about that potentially happening than they're letting on because John Lynch said that they weren't sure. They, they didn't know they were going to be able to get him. And uh, I think the story goes that the Minnesota Vikings had a deal for Trent Williams, but they didn't want to do the trade without re-signing him and Trent Williams wanted to become a free agent and the Vikings were going to use to help make that deal happen the pick they got from the Niners in the trade up in the first now in the first round with the Niners trade up to get Ayuk so they might have allowed Minnesota to get him by not by trading up for Ayuk and not drafting the tackle but the, the Vikings backed out because they couldn't re-sign Trent Williams as part of the deal so then Williams ended up with the 49ers. I mean, just it's crazy the chain reaction with all of those things. And, and it's amazing year to year how many small things change the landscape of what a, a franchise looks like. Well, I have a question for you. And this obviously is hypothetical, but would you rather have Tristan Warfs 
and no Trent Williams or Kinlaw with Trent Williams? Oh, Tristan Wirfs for sure. Just because yeah. of the, the salary and, and Tristan Wirfs is on that star path similar to where Trent Williams was, but you know, year one, year two version. So just, just more valuable with the youth of what Tristan Wirfs is. But you know, draft day, you didn't know that Wirfs was going to be that good. I know they were talking about him possibly being a guard. And yeah, because he was like, like slow feet. Yeah, and, and he played on the right side too. So that's always a little dicey. You're like, okay, we're going to draft a, a guy to play left tackle who played right guard. I think the 49ers needed a right tackle instead of a left tackle. It might have been worse. Worse might have been the pick, but maybe that was enough for them to say, ah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if, we, if, if we're going to make him play on the left side. And he's playing on the right side now. So we don't know how well, if that transition would have gone as well. But he's so, he, he was a freak of nature physically. So I, I don't know why he couldn't play left tackle if he can play right tackle with, with all the physical ability he had to mirror guys and get out and run and his strength. And you see the clip of him jumping out of a pool. Yeah. It's, it's just wild. The, 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 the physical freaks that are in the NFL right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, just more valuable. Then you think about what they could have done with those other draft picks and just drafted some other players. Could have still done worfs, and then um, yeah, they they wouldn't have traded down the one pick though. Because so could you have ended up with Ayuk? Do they end up with Michael Pittman or, or T Higgins? You know, so who who do they end up with there now? Or does Ayuk still get there to them at thirty or thirty one? Do they trade up fewer spots to get him? So there's just again one move is a massive train uh, chain reaction to what the team and the roster could look like it's crazy especially when it comes to the draft how about Kendrick Bourne Shanahan talked about Kendrick Bourne almost got cut two years ago but Hurd and Taylor got hurt and that saved him and then Bourne ended up being the most consistent wide receiver for the 49ers for the next two years but he was that close to getting cut and they wanted to keep Caden Smith instead uh, but they needed an extra wide receiver because Hurd and Taylor were hurt and Shanahan said wow. that would have been one of the worst decisions they made uh, that one blew me away. I, I would, I didn't know. I knew it. You know, you're an undrafted free agent. You're probably pretty close to getting cut at certain points in your career. But I would have thought by that time it was less likely that it got cut than like his. I think he started off in the practice squad his first year, right? Um, but that was a that was no. He one. didn't. He, he just he started off on the active roster. He went straight to the roster. Okay, year, but he was he was just inactive. So he was on the 53, but inactive. Gotcha. Okay. So almost no Kendrick Bourne for the last two years, but. The Hurd and Taylor injuries forced it, and it turned out the Hurd and Taylor injuries would continue. Although Jalen Hurd did hit the practice field. I wonder if, I don't know, actually Shanahan said he's not going to play. There's a bunch of guys that aren't going to play. Bosa, Ford, Hurd, anybody who's banged up is not going to play Saturday, which is unfortunate. There's probably going to be a lot of guys that you expect to see and you're hoping to see when you tune into the game. Uh, they're not going to play if they're nicked up. Let's finish up this conversation. What are we looking for in this preseason game number one? 49ers Chiefs next. Put your scouting hat on for these preseason games. You see something you like. You think you know who might be winning some of these quarterback jobs in the NFL. A rookie that is ready to go in week one. They've got odds for starting quarterbacks in week one at betonline.ag. Who will be the Texans starting quarterback? Broncos, Teddy B or Drew Locke? What about the Saints, Patriots, 49ers, and Bears? Think you know who's going to be a starting quarterback? There's a lot of jobs up for grabs right now in the NFL. You can get in on that action at betonline.ag. The fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Head on over to the website. Use promo code Locked On. You can sign up today on a desktop or the mobile app. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at Bet Online with promo code Locked On. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. 
this is why I'm psyched to have you as part of the podcast, Croc, because I don't have to go searching for you to try to have you on as a guest, you know, once every few months to break down the defensive backs. We can just do it here all next week. We can have an entire podcast next week breaking down everything that happened from this game, specifically two rookie cornerbacks, Yamador Lenore and Ambry Thomas, and they were both at the podium Thursday talking about this game, talking about training camp, and I had a bunch of takeaways from those conversations. Uh, first of all, Kyle Shanahan said they should both play a lot. So Diamador Lenore, no surprise, the fifth rounder. Ambry Thomas, the third rounder. They're going to be on the field a lot Saturday. So there's going to be a lot to watch, a lot to look for with those guys. And uh, definitely looking forward to those crocky breakdowns immediately following the game. And as, we, as you have a chance to go back and, and look at those a little more, maybe look at some of the techniques and stuff a little bit more closely. Um, Demo said... He's been coached up to not backpedal so fast out of his um, out of his press, and not everyone is basically that. Not everyone's going deep on him, and you can sit on some routes sometimes. Can you talk about that a little bit? With uh, and I know because this is something you always talk about with cornerbacks is patience, right? Yeah. But if you don't have if you don't trust your speed, it's hard because you're like worried about getting beat over the top. You're like, I got to get out of here and start moving because I don't want to get beat over the top. But if you can be patient and trust your feet, right, uh, you can just play everything so much better. Yeah, so there are a couple of things that they're talking about there. One, I think the first thing they're talking about when they say at the line of scrimmage, not pedaling out too much, I always talk about creating the space at the line of scrimmage, right? Like don't create the space for the receiver. All that's going to do is give him space to have his way and dictate where he wants to go. You want to hug the line as much as possible. You do want to move your feet, but you want to make the receiver work more laterally. All right. So he's being coached up to, hey, don't give up as much ground, which I definitely noted he would do at Oregon. So that was one thing that kind of jumped out to me where I'm like, man, he needs to slow that down a little bit. Be, be a little bit more patient. Definitely move your feet. feet. Don't give up ground. So that's one thing. Then what they're talking about as far as, um, you know, the vertical thing is they basically are telling him don't play up field shoulder. You want to play what I call dick to hip. And it sounds like exactly what it means. Like you it. want to put your, you know, align your genitals with their hip. That makes it to where any in-breaking route, they have to kind of fight through you or curl. They got to fight back through you. And if they do run vertically, then you just want to believe that you have the speed to be able to challenge it vertically. And we want them to throw the ball downfield because that's the lowest percentage pass a quarterback can attempt. So if you do ideally have that speed to be able to, um, you know, once you read them down and you playing dick to hip it and you realize, OK, he is going vertical. He's committed to the go route. Now you need to turn your speed on, get in phase, hook that arm, get that head around and then make a play on the ball. That's that's ideal. Now, when you are Lenore, I don't think he ran very fast. And when you don't run very fast and then you don't really have the length, you can kind of get in a sticky little area. So that might be what he's going through. We've seen him get beat vertically a few times now. Uh, in training camp. It happened at the uh, Saturday practice. It happened when uh, Sherfield kind of went up top and stared him down. So that's something that we've kind of seen from Lenore a little bit. Yeah, I've seen Sherfield get him a couple times. And you know who got revenge is Austin Watkins from the, the rookie mini camp film that, that made its way around. I think yep. it was even Dion that retweeted it and talked about it. Um, Austin Watkins has gotten him a couple times. And I don't think Austin Watkins went and put it out on his social media either um, that I saw. So uh, that was good to see for Austin Watkins. And, and he, I think he's dealing actually with an injury and he tried to go practice on it and he's kind of limping around. We'll see if he's 
able to play, but he's someone I'm looking out for too because I think he has a chance maybe to be the sixth wide receiver or at least be on the practice squad for the 49ers. And I, I'm not surprised that when – Austin Watkins was just the type of receiver that was going to be better when pads came on than, uh, you know, than, than playing in shorts because he's sort of a, a physical – type of a guy uh, one thing about Demo though you can't you can't coach 510 away he's not going to be the tallest guy so if he's going against someone 63 how does he get the dick to the hip uh you still can you still can play dick, dick to, to hip. That, that's just in the sense of being just lower shoulder I think some people call that but to me it's easier <laughs> to use dick to hip as a coaching point because it sticks in the kid's mind so right yeah I've learned that from uh, from uh, Rex Ryan you use things that people are going to really remember and that's one verbal cue that kids never forget. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good one. I'm going to never forget it. That's for sure. Um, and then Ambry Thomas took to the podium and he talked about, again, this is something I heard you talk about when you watched his college tape in Michigan, is press man all the time. And that's what he said. He said he played so much press man in college, a little cover two. He called it press two. Now playing off, he's just getting used to it and seeing the whole picture. And what he said was, quote, trying to see, trying to see the story the offense is telling. So that's what he's going through right now is trying to get used to being off and using his eyes a little bit better. Did that make sense? Oh, definitely. Um, you know, I, I noted that he played a ton. Now he also played zone, but like you said, he, I mean, he played zone from press alignment. That's one thing people think press jam jam is actually a technique. Press is an alignment. So from press alignment, you can play multiple coverages, whether you press bail out, you stay in there outside shade in maybe a two or a four, or outside shade in the three and you're bailing out, all right? So I would see him play press alignment, outside shade, cover two, read the guy, come, watch the guy coming out in the flat. Um, he'd squeeze one, come down on two, and get a hit. I, I really liked when I saw him do those things, and I noticed his eyes were in the right way, but playing from off coverage, now it's like, okay, especially if it's quarters, it's a little different, right? Like, And if they didn't play a ton of quarters at Michigan, that's something that can start to – not make a whole lot of sense. Okay, first I got to play off. Does he have the movement skills to be somebody that can consistently play off? I, I don't know. Didn't really look like it against Alabama. Got challenged a little bit from that standpoint. But now when he talks about seeing the story, you know, before uh, watching it kind of play out, you want to read those concepts. And this would be a good time to have somebody like Richard Sherman on your squad, but you don't have him, a guy that's like the master of reading concepts, especially from off coverage, just really know what's coming. And he taught Emmanuel Mosley some of that. So maybe Mosley can rub some of that off on the, the younger guys like Emory Thomas. Maybe not. Probably brought in to take his job. I don't know. But, you know, uh, talk about an interception, a couple of interceptions that Mosley had uh, the year that he was starting, right? One against Carolina Panthers. They ran – uh, you had the flare out. Usually when you say the flare out, that means that one is either hooking it up or going post. One hooked it up. He jumped it, intercepted it against the Panthers. Had another one reading two to one against the Packers in the NFC Championship game. One sat down. Two continued up the seam. He squeezed two. Aaron Rodgers threw it, baited him, boom, pick. So that's him really having a clear vision of what's going on. The story is being told in front of him, and he's able to read it and react before the before the story comes to an end. He did a good job with that. Ambry Thomas is still learning how to do that. Fantastic stuff. I can't wait for Crocky's breakdowns. I think we, we should have just one full episode next week that's after our uh, initial reaction of the preseason game. That's one full wide receiver episode and then one 
defensive back episode where we try to break down as many and and maybe hopefully all of the players at those positions and what kind of game they had under a little bit more of a microscope from the preseason game number one. I'm looking forward to that. But really, this is all about Trey Lance, right? This is this is the Trey Lance show Saturday against the Kansas City Chiefs. Hopefully the line is good in front of him, can allow him to do what he needs to do in his first big step of game action in his NFL career. And by the way, I think I saw that Andy Reid said that his starters are going to play the full first quarter on the defense. Yeah, so I, I hear he's a little bit more team. old school when it comes to that, and he really likes to play his guys a little bit longer. Mm. And I get it, man. Help those guys get in the rhythm. Different ways to do it. Rams don't play guys at all, and shoot, they've made the playoffs three out of the last four years, but Andy Reid seems a little bit old school and wants to get his guys in the rhythm. So we're going to see um, Trey Lance with the twos going against Kansas City's ones on defense most likely when he joins the game. So that'll be extremely interesting. I can't wait. We got real football preseason game number one, 49ers Chiefs coming Saturday. Croc and I will have it all broken down for you immediately following the game right here. We ain't waiting until Monday. Talk to you then. Locked on 49ers.